Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. Hosted by the Missouri Training Institute, this is the Weekly Workplace. Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. With you today, Missouri Training Institute. Hi, Dewey. Hi, Hello. Ray. Hello. Hello. And, uh, and, and me, Brianna Larimer. I always forget <laughs> myself. Always forget <laughs> yeah, yourself, it's okay. Brianna. It's all right. Well, here's the thing. Y'all don't realize this, but I say that intro so much, I actually hear it in my sleep. I oh. might even say it in my sleep. I'm not <laughs> sure. But uh, that's the thing. I'm a perfectionist, so <laughs> I have to make sure it's perfect when I say it. And isn't it interesting what we're here to talk about today? This is going to be a, a session all about you, Brianna. Uh, it is. <laughs> it is. Well, here, but it's not just about me because here's what's just come out. Comprehensive study just came out uh, that's actually talking about how perfectionism involving young adults in the UK, the US, and Canada actually revealed that, that perfectionistic tendencies and behaviors have actually significantly risen up to 32%. Over three decades. That's incredible to me. <laughs> well, that is incredible. Um, I'd be interested to learn more about, you know, the reasons why mm-hmm. uh, they feel that that is that's taking place. Yeah. I'll post the link to the study on there. You can you That'd can dive great. deep into that. that yeah. And for our listeners, if you want to dive deep into that, because it it's interesting. But when you think about it, we were talking about this, like who are some some maybe notable celebrities right now where per, can, you know, self-proclaimed perfectionists or just as we see as viewers, perfectionists. Um, Serena Williams comes to mind for me. And you had mentioned. Well, I, I was thinking about Simone Biles yeah. when uh, we were preparing for this um, and her withdrawal from, you know, some of those Olympic events yeah. um, that she was, you know, predominantly uh, was supposed to win gold mm-hmm. for all of them. Um, and, you know, that pressure uh, to be perfect mm-hmm. um, can really kind of mess, I guess, with your mental health once in a while. Absolutely. Um, you know, that was very interesting just to kind of watch that unfold Yeah, as an example. And the thing is, is it's not necessarily the pressures of other people. The pressure can be the internal oh, pressure. Mm-hmm. So it's involving that fixation on your imperfections, trying to control situations, working hard, being critical of yourself or potentially of others, you know. And so th- this comes at a cost. Mm-hmm. Individual and social cost. So what would you say are some um, characteristics, you know, if we were to try to identify a perfectionist, what kinds of things would we probably see or look for? Um, What comes to my mind is people who try to control (laughs) everything. Ray, stop talking about me. I know, (laughs) you know, um, but... As a way to, again, control the outcome. And so, you know, if the outcome has to be perfect, you know, then and I am at least, you know, in control of that. Um, So I do see a lot of controlling um, behaviors. Yeah. For me and as a self-proclaimed perfectionist, um, I have very all or nothing thinking like it, I'm either going to give it a hundred percent and it's going to be perfect or I'm not going to do it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done that with everything that I've gone into and I sit and I reflect on my whole life and, uh, it, it, it's hard. That's, that's a hard way to, 
to to keep moving forward. And I think even sometimes on our own team, we've had conversations about my rigidness and things and maybe being inflexible on some things. And that's just because of that, that way of thinking. So what's at the cause of that? Is that, is that fear? Is that, you know, the ability to try to control things is because then I, I'm less fearful of what the outcome could be or that all or nothing kind of thinking is, you know, I'm, I'm in hundred percent or I'm not going to be in it at all because I want to be able to, you know, control that because mm-hmm. I'm fearful of what that outcome could be. Because it's got to be perfect. The outcome has to be perfect. And if, if it has to, if I have to rely on somebody else to play a part in it, then the the end product may not be what I've already wrapped it up in my head to have had to have been when I took the project on in the first place. Um, I think the fear, and we talk about the idea of fear, the fear comes uh, with maybe some procrastination, which is also a tendency sometimes of perfectionists uh, and procrastination, procrastinating because um, you fear that what you can produce, maybe you don't have the knowledge or the skill set or um, maybe just the level of, of experience in it or and it won't be perfect. So there's a fear element to the procrastination, but as far as for the all or nothing thinking, it's it's because I have to be able to control the perfect outcome that it's going to be. And again, getting back to the idea of control, mm-hmm. then, you know, trying to control that outcome, you're fearful of not being able to do that. And so that's why we move into those kinds of, of behaviors. Yeah, it could be. Okay. It could be. We're like, we're having a, a counseling session for Brianna right yeah. now. I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Because I am not a perfectionist. <laughs> <laughs> right. We all know. <laughs> right. So very different, you know, here, you know, between what, you know, the way you look at the world, the way I look at the world. Um, one of the other things I think that I find about you, Brianna, is that you have such high expectations. Yeah. You know, the standards that you're trying to reach are so high. You know, to me, I'm more like, you know, is this good enough? <laughs> you know, and that that's a big difference, I think, in terms of how we approach our work, mm-hmm. um, you know, just in, it's just between the differences. Between I don't think people just turn the, the switch, you know, mm-hmm. and become a perfectionist. It it definitely started at a very, very, very young age. Mm-hmm. Sure. And if we really were in some kind yeah. of therapy session, you know, Chances are what I want Brianna to do is go back and find that particular moment where she, as a young girl, felt that threat and felt that fear. And because within all of us is this little voice that, you know, tells us you're not good enough. Mm -hmm. Right. And when we were little bitty and couldn't make decisions for ourselves, we needed that. Mm -hmm. You know, don't try. Don't jump off that roof, Ray. Mm -hmm. You know, you're just just don't do it. Don't do it. You You know, Um, (laughs) did you do it? I did it. But, you know, there were a lot of other stupid stuff I did. But, you know, we relied on it. Mm -hmm. And now that, you know, we're old enough, we can kind of put that little voice aside Mm -hmm. You know, give it another job um, because it is, you know, when you talk about the cost of procrastination and, and maybe you can share some of those examples because it, it's not just impeding your ability, um, but it definitely has a ripple effect. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you're right. It is fear of not being good enough. Yeah. yeah. So. So I would have to think then that then another characteristic then would probably that would lead to maybe some low self-esteem 
uh, with folks as well who might be experiencing this idea of perfectionism, you know, that idea of fear, I'm never going to be good enough, you know, that message, that little voice telling you all that all the time. Well, and we talked about this in another podcast, I think, when we talked about Mm self-confidence and it is an over, you know, fixation on the outcome Mm -hmm. and not on the mastery of the activities, Mm. you know, that we're so focused on that perfect outcome that we don't think about all the steps that we're taking to get there, regardless of what the outcome is. Mm -hmm. And so the difference between somebody with high self-confidence is like, I know I'm going to give it my best, right? I know I can... I've, my example, you know, walk up to the the plate and grab that bat and, you know, and I'm going to give it a good old swing, you know, regardless whether it's caught or I. Yeah. So, you know, the that somebody that's confident is not necessarily worried about the outcome mm. as much as the mastery of the process getting there. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, when I think about this and I want to go back to to your your question about thinking of that poignant moment where it may have it may have have switched for you. And um, one of the things that we all crave, I think, as human beings is to feel noticed and to feel like we have have contributed something good and that people can relate and having that sense of connection uh, with one another. And and for me, one of the things I noticed from a very young age is I got noticed when I achieved really well. I got noticed when I got straight A's. We've talked about this on podcast episodes before and I'll share it again, but I was bullied as a kid because of my weight. And so being able to uh, step back and to to realize what can I do now? What can I control to be able to have that connection with other people again, whether it was my peers or not, you know, because in those cases, it's your teachers. And so my teachers noticed that I, you know, was smart and that I was able to be on the honor roll. And and so from there, it just spiraled. So in my mind, I had to keep achieving. I had to keep kind of leveling up and and it it, it builds and builds and builds and builds. Um and so you're right. There is that poignant moment to where you want to trace it back to. And uh, and it can be helpful. And I, I will say, you know, I've recognized it as an adult and I do recognize exactly what you had just mentioned was the ripple effect it's having. The cost is what I'm going to call it, that it has it has on the people around me. Mm-hmm. So tell me about that. What does that what does that cost look like? Oh, man. Um, well, it doesn't. And here's the thing. It's not like an explicit cost. Like you don't know it in the moment. You don't know that you're actually doing doing it because you you think that you're only affecting yourself by being perfect, you know, or trying to live up to some perfect standards. But what I've learned through this process is because of the standards I've set for myself, other people feel like they have to somehow meet those too. Mm-hmm. You know, so people who I'm really close with, some family even, you know, has told me I I I can't I can't do that. I can't have everything, you know, all the, all the things in order and I can't uh, make sure that everything goes as smoothly as, you know, that like that's I, I just feel I feel like I can't do that. And so I must not be good enough. So what I'm doing is setting the bar so high that other people it's creating a sense of low self-esteem in other people or something else I've noticed. I always ask the question, why in the world am I always the one that that takes on the projects and gets things executed? And this is on boards and things that I sit on, too. 
And part of that is because I've set a standard so high in the work that I've done there that, again, those folks don't feel like they even want to touch it with a 10 foot pole because it's it's too much. Maybe they don't have the time or the knowledge or the experience to set it there. And um, and that's not fair. That's not fair to them. And so it's certainly been it's been an eye-opening experience. Yeah. You know, I, I also wonder if you, um, if you suffer from this idealistic perfectionism, that kind of thing, if you're so focused on doing things right all the time that you might miss the bigger picture, the meaningfulness of what it is that you're doing. Oh, absolutely. Because you're always so concentrated on making sure the deadlines are met or, you know, there's there's absolutely no spelling errors in this email or whatever it might be that you you kind of forget like the main issue or the main main contribution that you might be make, able to make. Oh, yeah. There's a look up moment all the time. I think I come to your all's office sometime and I'm like, I just need I need you to pull me up because I'm down in the weeds. Like, tell me to look up. Tell me to look up. And that has been the language in our, even in our house, in our workplace um, for the last a year or more now is help me look up, help me look up. And I need other people to help me realize the the cost, the impact that it's having on, on, on them too. Yeah. You know, it, it, being an achiever is not a bad thing. No. Right. Right. I mean, that's a lot of us have that as one of our personality traits. Um, but think how programmed our world is for competition. Mm -hmm. In everything that we do, and, you know, we're pitted against one another for a job or a promotion or a partner or, you know, all. I mean, it, we're that's just how the world runs. You know, that was with especially the most toys, West, especially Western cultures you know? that are, you know, mm -hmm. competition of, yeah. is, is good. Right. We, we talk about competition being good. It helps the economy. Right. When we're able to compete. Yeah. So, you know, we live in that environment of of competition mm. and not just, you know, being reinforced when you did something that was noticeable, you know, such as, you know, you got straight A's and being noticed for that. But then when you're not, then I think what happens is, well, I also think there's reinforcement for nor not normal behaviors, but behaviors that aren't at that achievement. For example, I, I think of a situation with, um, you know, my own parents and I, I was an okay student, but I was doing fairly well this particular year. And then I ended up with a B and her saying, um, why wasn't that an A? Mm. You know, when a B in math for me was like really good, you know, but why wasn't that more, you know, and then constantly having to. So I think there's that reinforcement, you know, for both. Yeah, well, and what's interesting to hear you say that is like in my world, my parents were actually saying, Brianna, slow down. Like we've never asked you to get straight A's. We've never asked you, you know, to be perfect. We've never asked you to burn the candle at both ends, you know, all the stuff that, that they, they would see me do. But it was just this, it was a spiraling upward, you know, for me, but a spiraling loop of I, it was myself. I have to do this so that I feel what I felt 
when I did it the first time, you know, like I, I have to do it. It's almost an addiction. You know, it really seems it seems odd to say that. But perfectionism in a way can kind of be an addiction. Well, and so then, you know, with that being said, really thinking about so what is that feeling that you're trying to achieve and how else might you achieve that feeling, mm-hmm. you know, um, and and so isn't that really the true goal? Mm. You know, it's it's not the perfect score. It's the feeling we get from getting a perfect score. Well, how else can I get that feeling? You know, what's another way, um, you know, helping somebody um, learn something might give you that same feeling, you know? So, you know, figuring out what is that feeling I get and what are other ways that I might get that feeling um, can can be a, a coaching tool for walking back from perfectionism. That's really insightful. It is. It really is. Insightful. It really is. Well, and I, I want to just, I want to ask you all, you know, you've asked me the question, but to turn it around, you know, I mentioned what I, what I perceive as being some of the costs of perfectionism, but y'all are my supervisors and we're on this small team, just the three of us. And I have to imagine that at some points in this, you know, our four years together now that there's been a cost on our own relationships internally in the workplace. So what's it like having a you know, perfectionist on your team. Well, it's great sometimes because <laughs> things get done and things get done very, very well. And, um, and you know, you are a very, very talented person. Yes. Um, and so I, I really appreciate that. But I do hear what you're saying because there have been times in our relationship mm-hmm. where, you know, I think your standard and my standard were a little bit different. You know, I think that can result in some broken relationships. I think it can result in having um, some trust kind of evaporate Mm -hmm. from the relationship and requires us to kind of go back and kind of earn that kind of thing. So. um, So, yeah, I, I think it does probably have a cost. But I also want to remind you that. It's great to have you on the team. You know, it's, you know, that that sense of standard that you have of excellence is is great. That's why we never have to worry. Yeah. We never, ever have to worry. Um, I, you know, when I think about perfectionism, you know, from a a purely work, um, you know, through my work lens, recognizing I think this is would be difficult for perfectionists is not everything needs the same level of completion mm-hmm. or le- standard of completion. Right. You know, just jot that down on a piece of paper and <laughs> hand it to me. It doesn't have to be, you know, bound and printed and, you know, categorized and tabbed. Uh, and a new design logo. And- yes. <laughs> you know, just I almost, you know, cough it up. And, and here's the thing, because coming from you and people who really are perfectionists, it will be enough. Mm-hmm. It will absolutely be enough. And so I think it's difficult, you know, and and I know I've heard you say, you know, time, 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 time. I never have enough time Mm -hmm. um, because you want everything to get the same amount Mm -hmm. of of energy and it doesn't need that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably hard to walk back. And say, you know, this is a 10 and this is a three. Mm-hmm. So a three doesn't need a level 10 energy mm-hmm. put to a, toward it. 
Well, I'll give you a, a good example. I mean, to speak to exactly what you had said with that. Um, I remember a, a former position that I worked in and there was some disruption. Frankly, I, I had I didn't have a very good supervisor in that organization and um, was making some things up and it was getting kind of volatile and stuff just wasn't it wasn't going well. And I'd never experienced that before because I've always been a high achiever <laughs> and I'm usually a pretty good employee. And I remember coming home to my husband and I'm like, I put in all this work and and here he is going to deteriorate my legacy. And my husband looked at me and he said, your legacy, you think that achieving it at that project or with that person or that's your legacy. And this was pre, you know, having our son. And I, I really, I think in my heart at that moment did, like, I felt like that was my be all end all was, was this person's perception of how I did my work. And, um, holy moly. So the energy that I was spending, you know, in all of this, trying to create, that was my be all end all. And that was how I approached every single thing until I became a mom. And I think that it was, it was very interesting and hard to start having to recognize that you have to shift some of your energy to the places that are actually most important and will actually be your legacy uh, versus having every single thing get the same amount of attention. There's a lot of self-judgment that happens Mm. with perfectionists, Mm -hmm. you know, and so changing, you know, when I think about my coaching clients, you know, changing their self-talk, you know, not just identifying the feeling and figuring out what else you can do. But, you know, what what are you saying to yourself when this project isn't going the way you thought or when, you know, a project does come up and, you know, you're wanting to to grab it because, you know, you can, you know, do it and control the outcome and, you know, make things happen on your timeline, um, you know, and, and just really what what are you telling yourself? You know, and changing your own self-talk to be a little bit more forgiving, you know. It's that story you're talking about, yeah. editing that story, that, that little voice that we all have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's another good and, and recognizing it, you know, quite honestly, I, I call it a gremlin. And, you know, recognizing that that's your gremlin right now and you need to assign your gremlin a new job mm-hmm. <laughs> because I got it. I I. I know how to drive now. I can make my own choices. You know, you just sit in the passenger seat and you just, you know, ride along as support. But I also think that um, and I'm just going to I'll ask Brianna this question maybe as a as a way to kind of broach this topic about it. But do you find yourself comparing yourself with a lot of other people as a perfectionist? Mm hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I I think I've told I've told you, Ray, several times when I first started here, uh, I was intimidated by all of the level of achievement that I felt you had, especially another woman, you know, woman. Um, And I worked my most of my career around men. um, And so another woman and there was we had some conflict in our relationship when, when I first started here, just because there was I was comparing myself to how you achieved. And I was like, okay, well, I can do that, too. Let me achieve at that level also. And and then when things didn't you know, flow the way they should have. Uh, and it was all, it all stemmed back to the fact that I was trying to be Ray. You know, I'm sitting here with two very, very smart women, but you both have different strengths. 
You know, you both bring different things to the table. So recognizing that you, Brianna, have different strengths than maybe what Ray does, would that help, you know, maybe prevent the idea of comparison? No, I, I, I just think, you know, it's it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but I think recognizing is that realistic? Mm. You know, I've, I've been in the workplace in a management position as long as you've been alive. Mm hmm. As long as you've been on the planet, I've been learning how not to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and so the the unrealistic expectation that she in her career at her age should be where I am in my career at my age is is pure math. Right. <laughs> I've just had an entire lifetime other than your lifetime to to figure that out. And I'll tell you that having that conversation with you about that was, was a really a turning point for me as well when I like through the lens of my work here, because, yeah, it's something that you should should just kind of know. Right. But when you're so far down in the weeds in this and you're so wrapped up in in being that good, that perfect, it's really hard you need somebody to literally pull you out of that and say, look up. All right. Mm -hmm. Look up. Yeah. So. And not everybody, every, not everybody competes with another person. Yeah. Um, sometimes they they just compete, you know, with by beating themselves up. You know, I, I should have been better. I should have been better. I should have been better, you know, and, and thinking that they and again, those unrealistic expectations. Um and learning how to give give grace, mm -hmm. but yeah, we've we've talked about comparison as the thief of joy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll tell you the mindfulness. So when we talk about like overcoming perfection, we listed off a few, you know, here already for you, but for our listeners. Um, but I'll tell you another one that is uh, important is mindfulness, you know, and, and a couple of years ago was the first time I actually started taking yoga classes and just sitting in that space. And it's hard yeah. because you're thinking like, I need to be doing something right now. Why am I just sitting here not thinking about anything? I should be thinking about it. Defeating the whole purpose of yoga. I didn't get it at first, obviously, but sitting in that and after a few times of really trying to be intentional about being open to what this was supposed to do for you. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not just yoga. I mean, let me be clear, mindfulness and all ways of mindfulness. For me, that was the start. Well, yeah, think how how future focused yeah. a perfectionist is. And, you know, so because they're always thinking about the outcome and not just in the moment. And, you know, we use those types of, you know, feel the floor. Yeah. You know, yep. uh, feel the seat, you know, feel your shoulders relax when people are dealing with anxiety. Um, mm hmm moments. What am I trying mm -hmm. to say? You know, they're having an attack or whatever mm -hmm. is. And, um, you know, I have a family member that deals with that. And it's it's even as, you know, what in this room is red, mm. you know, and having them stop and go, OK, that bag over there is red. Your shirt is red, you know, mm -hmm. to having them take. I mean, that clearly what we call like grounding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's an important point. And like I said, when I talk about how how 
incredibly important. I mean, I, I will say just monumentally important it is to have a good support network around you of people who recognize what you got going on, realize with a non-judgmental attitude, mind you, and help you look up and help you refocus and help you bring attention to the present. And y'all have heard me say it before. That's why my, my husband is the most incredible human being in my life because he has done that for me um, in so many ways. And it wasn't until I had had somebody that could help me in that space that I even knew I was doing it in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and I think as, as a leader, here's the thing, you know, I'm on this leadership journey. I've, I've really, and you all know this around our, our round table here that I've been thinking about, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? What is my role as a leader um, in, in this career cycle? And, and I've been very intentional about trying to think through how can I alleviate this performance perfectionism because I never want my team to feel this way. I don't want them to feel, I don't want to feel like I'm, I'm pushing my standards on to them. And so some things, you know, that we, you think about, and I'd love your all's insight on this too, but it's, you know, designing the right goals for people, making sure we're letting people know they can fail, you know, like it's okay. It's part of the process. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some other things that you all are, are thinking about here? Well, you know, I, I think, you know, anything that leaders can do to um, create interpersonal, good interpersonal relationships with one another mm-hmm. is, is helpful. And part of that is about recognizing um, the strengths that people bring um, to to the team um, and to kind of talk about those once in a while. Yeah, I, I think it's also, you know, if, in, you know, this leader to employee situation, as far as the leader helping the person, the employee who might be perfectionistic, two things. One is don't take it personally. Mm. You know, it's easy to get caught up, you know, and get in the box with them mm-hmm. um, and, and get sucked in to, you know, their own emotional whirlwind and you know so be be careful not to get in the box with them you know from the other perspective you know as you mentioned you know becoming a leader and not wanting to put your you know perfectionist out there for others is really going to be about modeling them mm-hmm. and and knowing that you have that tendency and going all right guys I'm getting a little nitpicky here. I need to back it down mm-hmm. and modeling that behavior mm-hmm. out loud. Right. Right. And seeing them have them see you walk, walk it back and go, Ooh, I got to take a breath, you know. Mm-hmm. So modeling um, is even more important than, you know, setting something up for them. Right. One other final thing I might add to that conversation is the idea that, um, you know, people, People make mistakes, right? People might not necessarily meet the expectation all the time. You know, bringing that about and, you know, talking about it and that kind of thing, use it as an opportunity to learn, you know. Um, you know, don't look at, recognize failure as part of the process as opposed to um, whether you met the expectation or not, you know. Um, talk about that instead. And I like to ask the question, what what are you learning about yourself? Right, right. Yeah. Um, because that's the the part they can apply the next time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. What'd you learn from this experience? Yeah. 
the ultimate goal. Do not impose your perfectionistic tendencies on your people. That is, that's the one big thing I keep telling myself and reminding myself of. I would like, I know that we're, we're getting close to time here, but I would like to thank you, Brianna, for yeah. being so open and being so vulnerable in this episode. Um, you know, I think our listeners are going to, uh, who might feel the same ways sometimes that they're going to walk away with a lot of great ideas from this. So thank you. Good. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you all for being my, uh, my support network. So (laughs) that's our pleasure. That's right. right. Well, uh, we thank you listeners, please. Again, we are always here for you. Go ahead and and email us or leave us a uh, comment or question on this episode description. Our email address, MTI at Missouri.edu. And until next time, Go be great, but not perfect. (laughs) Thanks for listening to The Weekly Workplace, hosted by the Missouri Training Institute. Dewey, Ray, and Brianna stand ready to connect with you and meet your training needs. Be sure to check out ways to contact them in the episode description or at mti.missouri.edu. Subscribe to the podcast to get future episodes automatically by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. Hope to catch you on the next episode of The Weekly Workplace.